truly is a privilege to have you with me once again as we initiate our second session regarding praying through God's heart, the key to answered prayer. You know, a lot of people are struggling in how to receive from God, to believe God, to, to, to enter into their miracle. And I'll be honest with you, the key to receiving from God is God. Now, that might surprise you, you know, that simple statement, but it is the key. It's not a formula. It's not having some extra special thing about you that God gravitates towards you because he's no respecter of person. He gravitates towards all of us because we're his children. The key to receiving from God is God. And that's what this series is all about, praying through God's heart. How do we enter into manifestation? How do we enter into the power of God? How do we enter into the miraculous? How do we enter into the, the seeing the, the four-stage cancer uh, people healed all the time, not just some of the time? How do we enter into that? Well, the key is God. I'll never forget, years ago, I, I went to a, uh, a seminar on church growth. Really, it was, I was in campus ministry at the time, and uh, you know, it was campus ministry, how to get more students to your group. And then it was church growth as well, how to cause your church to, you know, be enlarged, to grow. And, and man, there were all these formulas, do this, do that, do this, do that. And, and I came away from that and I took some good ideas that, you know, sure, to help, you know, in, in regards to, you know, when people come into the church, you know, feeling comfortable, etc. But you know what? You know what was left out? Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. If Jesus does not draw, then I tell you what, what is drawing people to come? Honestly, Jesus has got to be the draw. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the cornerstone. It's all about Jesus. Man, if it's about a personality that's drawing people, there's problems. I, I, someone said, you know what, if, you wanted, if you're planting a church, one of the top three things you do to have your church plant be successful is to get so, someone that's the, the pastor of it, to, someone that can speak in an Australian accent. And I thought, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? But it's true. People come to churches sometimes for such re, the, the wrong reasons. Lord Jesus, help us. You're, but everything about Jesus is amazing. Your Christian walk cannot be based on anything other than Jesus, his presence, his voice, his love, his grace, his strength, his awesomeness. Glory to God. It has to be, again, on him. So I want to say it one more time. That the key to receiving from God is God. And again, this is what this series is about. This is why I believe it will be profoundly beneficial to you and so powerful as we enter into the realities intrinsic to it. All right, this session is called, uh, it's, it's exciting to me, it's called the heart of virtue. The heart of virtue. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that what called us to him is him. It says it's the virtue and glory of God that calls the unbeliever out of darkness. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, it says... The gospel is to be shared in the face of Jesus Christ. Not, not in the face of really of an insurance policy from so you don't go to hell. Now, again, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But come on, it's about relationship. 
Man, people that accept Jesus just to escape hell. I tell you, Jesus is not an insurance policy. A lot of times someone will come to Jesus out of an immediate need. Maybe there's, you know, something wrong, a financial lack, a sickness. But I'm here to tell you something. Jesus wants to heal you. He wants to bless your finances. But what I want you to see is this. The glory of God, the virtue of God is what it's all about. Someone says, what's the glory of God? Well, the glory of God is amazing. It's the inward essence of God himself. It's what he consists of. His virtue, his glory, is that which is intrinsic to his heart that causes him to be who he is. Man, in Psalm 63, 1 and 2, uh, David cried out. He says, as a man in a desert who has not drank water for days and days, who's dying of thirst, I need the drink of the living God. And then he goes on to say, and because of this hunger, I have seen his glory in the midst of the tabernacle. I have experienced his reality of his goodness. Moses, man, he had uh, crossed the Red Sea. He had experienced all kinds of miracles. Uh, But he said, I have one desire. I have one request. And Lord, it's to see your glory. And God said, man, you've asked a hard thing in one sense because, you know, it's, it's atypical. But it should be typical. God was excited about it. He says, you know, I'm going to put my hand over my face when I go by. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock, which symbolizes Jesus. And man, I'm going to proclaim my name. My presence is going to be there. It's going to be amazing. That's why, that's why Moses was who he was. That's why Moses was who he was. And Joshua, you know, his name was Oshia. And he spent such time experiencing the glory of God through his presence. Man, that his name was changed to Yeshua, which is an Old uh, Testament. It's, it's the Hebrew form of Jesus. Glory to God. Obviously, he was not Jesus, but he was a type of Jesus. I'm here to tell you, it's all about Jesus. All right. In that context, let's go to Mark 5, 25. Many of you have heard uh, these scriptures read, but we're going to look at them in the context of the virtue of God. We want to... See, I want you to enter into seeing what the heart of God entails. You can't pray through the heart of God unless you enter into a revelation of what the heart of God entails. It says, A certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years has suffered many things of many physicians has spent all that she had was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I will be made whole. Not I might be made whole, I will be made whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. I mean, she had a flow of blood that just, it didn't stop. Can you imagine the smell, the degradation. She was not allowed to go out in public. She was, you know, she was cold unclean. She was declared to be unclean. She risked her life going to Jesus. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself, now listen to this, that virtue had gone out of him. Turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging you and sayest thou who touched me? 
He looked around to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. What was her faith in? See, it wasn't in a formula. She heard from somebody who evidently was healed herself or, or knew of somebody that was healed that simply was healed by touching Jesus. And this woman knew the woman with the issue of blood and said, I got to tell her about this. You know what? He's the Messiah. He has life in himself. He has healing glory in him. Man, you just touch his clothes. And man, glory emanates from him. And, and you get healed. And this woman got so excited. Man, she began to say, if, if I just touch him, glory to God, if I just touch even his garment, because you see, his, his garment emanated with the glory of God. It was saturated with the virtue that it consisted of him. Just like when Paul sent out those handkerchiefs and, and demons fled and people were healed, it was like the life that was in Paul went into those handkerchiefs. Well, obviously, Jesus had more life in him than Paul had in him, and that life went into his clothes, and all you had to do was touch his clothes, glory to God, and the glory, the virtue flowed out of him. I love that expression. It flowed out of him. Glory to God. There's nothing like the virtue of God. You need to understand this, and I need to understand it more and more. The universe was created because of the glory intrinsic to God Almighty. When Jesus spoke, man, oceans be, stars be. I mean, the Holy Spirit manifested that which was spoken. If we could only understand the glory, the omnipotence, the omniscience, the omnipresence of the living God, it would change our lives forever. It's so easy to minimize him. It's time to magnify him. Psalm 34 says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Man, the poor man cried out and God blessed him. The person that was sick cried out and, and, and he and she was healed. Let's magnify the Lord together. That's what the word of God is about. It's about magnifying Jesus, about magnifying his blood, about magnifying his voice, about magnifying his grace, magnifying the glory and virtue intrinsic to his being. Man, magnifying the Father heart of God, magnifying this Holy Spirit within you. Glory to Jesus. Man, the virtue of God, it is unlimited Oh, it is, um, uh, it's amazing. Well, this virtue, it went out of him. You see, there was a lot of people thronging him. But she touched him in faith, believing that what was in him would go into her. I'm going to tell you something. It is nothing short of amazing. The virtue of God. Again, the virtue of God is the laugh of God. It's the life of God. And what I love about this uh, scripture passage, it was not under lock and key. It was available to anybody to reach out to him in faith, believing he was the Messiah. In his mercy and grace, the virtue flowed. Man, th there's nothing, nothing better to meditate on. 
than the glory and virtue of God. It's, it's simply amazing. All right. Let's go to Luke chapter 6, verse 17 to 19. Luke chapter 6, verse 17 to 19. Glory to Jesus. And we're going to look how the virtue not only flowed to an individual, but how it flowed. It was so strong. It flowed to a, a, a multitude of people at one time. It says in Luke 7, 6, 17, And he came down with them and stood in the plain, and the company of the disciples, and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem, from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, they came to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Glory to God. You need to hear to be healed. Mm, we're going to talk about this more later. Hear and be healed. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. The whole multitude sought to touch him. For there went virtue out of him and healed them all. Not some of them. Again, get the picture. There's a multitude of people, thousands of people. And every person that was demonized with unclean spirits or oppression. Every person that was sick, it didn't, see, Jesus didn't categorize their sickness. It didn't matter if the leprosy was in the fourth stage where a man that, that, that some of their fingers and toes were, were dripping, were, were destroyed through the disease. It didn't matter the degree of deafness, the degree of blindness. All that mattered was the virtue. See, there is nothing, there is nothing that can stand up to the glory and the virtue of the living God. I'm going to say that one more time. There is no sickness, no disease, no familiar sin, no condemnation from the past that can stand before the virtue of the living God. Glory to Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. I, I tell you, again, this session is so important because you can't pray through the heart of God Unless you enter into understanding what the heart of God consists of. All right. So go with me to 2 Kings 13. Well, let me share something as you're turning there. Well, I'm turning there as well. 2 Kings 13. Something so very glorious. I, I, one of my favorite testimonies. There's a book written by T.L. Osborne and his wife, Daisy. Now, they were pioneers in the context of healing evangelism, they were missionaries to India and, and many other nations. And T.L. Osborne has, a, has a, a book that he wrote on healing. And I believe it's just called The Healing Cross. I mean, some of the best books on healing I've ever read are his book, T.L. Osborne and F.F. Bosworth, Across the Healer. But T.L. Osborne was sharing that he and his wife Daisy went to India to share the gospel. To do what Jesus did in Luke 4. Share the gospel to the poor. Heal the brokenhearted. I, I mean, preach deliverance to those that are abound. To heal the sick. Even to raise the dead. But man, it didn't work for them. It just didn't seem to work for them. Man, people weren't receptive. And they came back and they were discouraged. But then they heard a man share of miracles that were realized through him in India. And then began to see. Man, it's about grace. Our job isn't to make it happen. Our job is to be a vessel 
where God makes it happen. So they would simply share the goodness of God. Oh, man, and let the virtue flow. And, oh, man, they would just talk and talk and talk about the goodness of Jesus. It's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. It's the goodness of God that causes you to have faith in a God that's good. And, and they were doing a service. And, and it was a large service, thousands of people. And in an instant, I mean, in a moment's time, 300 people that never heard and never talked, they could hear and talk fluently. Glory to God. Why was that? Well, because of Luke 6, 17 and 19. The virtue came. Man, the virtue can come like rain. Woo! The virtue can come like fire like it did in Acts chapter 2. But man, the virtue came like rain. Mmm, Jesus. And then in another uh, instance, they were doing a crusade in India. And 300 people blind from birth at the same time. They simply, they could all see. Glory to God. I think the closest I've ever seen that in my life was when I was involved in Catherine Coleman's services. Oh, man. So many, many at a time would be, would be healed by the glory of God, by the virtue of God. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. All right. Man, I, I tell you what, this to me I could eat and drink of this reality and this teaching all day long. Glory to God. And I do. Hallelujah. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 20. Elisha died and they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded, which invaded the land at the coming end of the year. It came to pass as they were burying a man that behold, they spied a band of men and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived being raised from the dead and stood upright on his feet. Wow. I haven't heard this preached much, but it needs to be. It's here for a reason. Now, Elisha, he was a great prophet. He was anointed. Intrinsic to the name Elisha uh, is anointing. So he dies. And evidently he'd been in the sepulcher for a while. And a, a man dies during battle. They see uh, more of these troops that, that killed him coming towards them. So they just threw him in the sepulcher of Elisha and took off. As soon as the dead body touched the bones of Elisha, he was raised from the dead. Wow. Man, Elisha raised more people from the dead after he was dead than most Christians raised from the dead during their life. <laughs> Glory to God. Now listen to me. How can the bones of an Old Testament prophet who did not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit raise somebody from the dead after he was dead and then Christians go around and struggling to do the works of God when the Holy Spirit is in us. Now, don't say that in a degrading way. I'm just asking a question so we can get down to getting answers. First of all, let's look at why, how this man was raised from the dead. You see, Elisha did not have the Holy Spirit in him. The Holy Spirit was not 
yet given because the blood was not shed. And because the blood was not yet shed, no one could be born again. And the Holy Spirit could only indwell a born again spirit, a spirit that was righteous, created in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. 2 Corinthians 5.21. But the anointing, it came on Elisha over and over again. He had a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. So, and he actually raised somebody from the dead himself. The Shunammite woman. And he did, the Holy Ghost would come on him. Well, when the Holy Ghost would come on him, a residue that anointing would go into his physical being. It, it literally into his bones. Because the anointing, the virtue of God, man, it, it is viable. I, I mean, it's transferable. It, it's, it's for real. It, it, it went into him. Well, he's dead. But his bones are still have the virtue of God in them. They're anointed. So when the anointing and death collided, ooh, the virtue won. Just like in, that, in that, what we just read with the woman with the issue of blood. When the virtue and that disease collided, the virtue won. Lord, say that, say that with me. Say the virtue, say it with me, the virtue always wins. Ooh, glory to God. All right. So when the virtue and death collided, man, there's one that came out on top. It was the virtue of the living God that was intrinsic to the bones of Elisha. Ooh, if that doesn't excite you, what will? It shows you the power, the glory, the awesomeness of the virtue of the living God, of that which his heart consists of. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Oh, my, my, my. Mm, Jesus. Philippians 4.13. Most of us know this verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And to amplify, I, I love it. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who infuses the life of Jesus into me. And I'm able to do all things accordingly. I'm ready for anything. Let's look at that. See, the Spirit of God. And see, you have to understand this. Jesus was anointed. What's it mean to be anointed? It means to have the life of God flowing through you. But he was anointed through the power of the Holy Ghost. When you hear Christ Jesus, Jesus is the person. Christ is the anointing that he was anointed with by the Holy Spirit. It's, you know, oh man, Christ is the confirming power of the Holy Spirit, confirming Jesus as the perfect one, as the Messiah. Glory to God. And you see what's so exciting is that when, because the Holy Spirit's in you as a believer, man, when you claim the word of God, man, you say, I can do all things through Christ. He goes into motion and he releases the virtue of strength under you to fulfill your ability to do all things. So it's Christ in you. It's Jesus in you and not yourself but him. It's an amazing verse. Oh, it's an amazing verse. You see, the woman with the issue of blood touched him. Mm, and the virtue flowed. Glory to God. The, the dead man. He touched, this body touched the bones of Elisha and the virtue flowed. When you claim the word of God, 
the Spirit of God. Man, you, you, oh, that's touching God. When you claim the Word of God and the Spirit of God goes into action and releases the virtue in you unto the life of Christ manifesting in you. And that's what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1.21. It's, oh man, not me who lives, but it's I who live. For me to live is Christ. Oh man, glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Go with me to Romans 8.11. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. I know we're sharing a lot. And this is meat. And this is why, man, I want you to, if you're watching you know, the video or on YouTube or wherever. I want you to watch this over and over again. If you're, you're listening by CD, you know, listen over and over again to get this because I'll be honest with you, there's so much in, intrinsic to this teaching. In Romans 8 11, again, most people know these scriptures, but it's not just knowing what they say. It's entering into understanding the glory of them, the power of them. Oh, man, Romans 8 11 says that the spirit of him, that's the Holy Spirit, that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Put your name in there. Dwells in you. Woo. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also by the selfsame spirit quicken your bodies. Mm. By the spirit that dwells in you. Glory to Jesus. See, again, how did Jesus get raised from the dead? The Spirit of God, the same Spirit that overshadowed Mary, that caused Jesus to be in the womb of Mary, overshadowed Jesus, glory to God, in that tomb and caused life to come back into him. Shh. Glory to God. And that's what the next verse said. Man, we're not under obligation to live according to flesh because if you live according to flesh, you'll die. But if through the spirit of life, the spirit of God, you put the deeds, the, 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 the death, the deeds of the flesh, you shall live. For those who are led by the spirit, those who are quickened by the spirit, the, those who are, oh man, lived through by the spirit, these are Christians. That's what it means to be a Christian. Glory to Jesus. Wow. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Mm. Go with me to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Glory to Jesus. There's so much here. Again, most of, the, of us know these scriptures, but if you don't, they're amazing scriptures. Let's go from James 5.14. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. We'll go to 16. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. There's so much here. First of all, three times God says, I will. He says the prayer of faith will save the sick. I will raise him up, and I will forgive him if he has unconfessed sin. Right, now let's look at this. First of all, it says call for the elders of the church. One of the things intrinsic to someone being an elder is the ability to pray the prayer of faith. I'm going to be honest with you, most elders in churches, I'm going to be honest with you, I used to be like this. They can't pray a, a prayer of faith that brings about healing in people any more than they can fly to the moon. And I was like this. I was an elder in a good-sized church when I was 22 years old. 
I think they may be an elder because I taught in the high school at a large uh, Bible uh, group there. And, uh, and, and But I shouldn't have been an elder, to be honest with you. But I was in the place of an elder, and I, I went to the pastor and said, Pastor, everybody we pray for gets worse or they die. I'm a very honest person. If it doesn't work, I'm, gonna pretend, I'm not going to pretend like it does. He says, well, it's all in the sovereignty of God. I said, well, if it's in the sovereignty of God, man, in his sovereignty, it doesn't look like he wants many people to be healed. And that seems to be so contrary to scriptures. But then I began to enter into the scriptures myself and understand what the prayer of faith does. See, it's faith in the oil of God. It's faith in the name of Jesus. There is one name that God confirms. There's one name that God confirms. It's the name of Jesus Christ. And see, when you pray in the name of Jesus, the Bible says in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 3, his name is oil poured forth through the Spirit of God. Oh, what a scripture. His name. Woo! is oil poured forth. Glory to God. Glory be to God most high. So when you, the prayer of faith is having faith in the name of Jesus that is above all others, and faith that the Holy Spirit confirms the name of Jesus. And what does the oil represent? It represents the virtue. Man, it represents the virtue. You know, the anointing oil was made primarily of, of, you know, they crushed the olives. And see, what was inside the olive? Man, it produced the oil. What was intrinsic to the olive produced the oil. See, what's intrinsic to the heart of God. Because of the name of Jesus. It causes the oil to flow through the Holy Ghost. Faith in the name causes the oil, man, to flow through the Holy Ghost. See, people are struggling to get their prayers answered. They're disillusioned. Man, I, I deal with people with four-stage cancer every day. Kids have been trafficked sometimes since two years old. And I tell you the reason that, that we have success, a reason that there is a, a, a man effective praying. It's not because I got some special gift. It's because I've entered into the revelation by grace of the heart of God. And as a teacher in the body of Christ, that is why I'm doing this teaching. Ooh, I tell you what, I could run around the studio, jump up and down and shout, clap until, I tell you what, until midnight. Ooh, glory. Man, alive. Glory to the living God. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. I can't help but praise him. Man, if I don't praise him right now, man, this, this table's going to cry out. The rocks are going to cry out. Nobody has a name like the name of Jesus. Nobody has a heart like unto God. And nobody has the ability that cause the virtue within the heart of God to flow except the Holy Ghost. He's not just a power. He's a person. And he ever lives to cause the virtue to flow. Glory to God. Mm, Jesus. All right, go. you're in the book of James. Let's go two books over to Second Peter. Man alive. I don't know about you, but I sense Jesus in a profound way.
Right now, the anointing is so strong. I loose the oil to you in the name of Jesus. You who are on a deathbed, I lose the oil of the living God, the virtue whereby he consists into your body. If you're a believer, I receive it to flow from the inside out by the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, it doesn't matter your condition. The oil is golden. Man, in Zechariah 4.14, it talks about golden oil. It's divinity. It's the virtue within his heart. Glory to God. Mm, Jesus. Second Peter, there's so much here. Let's start with verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. A true apostle will be a servant first. To them that have obtained, not trying to obtain, have obtained, like precious faith with us, through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Listen to this. According as his divine power has given unto us all things, not just some things, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now listen to this. Through the knowledge of him who has called us by and to his glory and virtue. And the virtue of his love called me. The virtue is love. It's what made me give my life to him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. But I'm not only called by the virtue of love, I'm called to partake of every virtue intrinsic to his heart. Because the next verse says, whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises. That's the, the written word of God, the Bible. Not so you'd have something to teach at Sunday school. Not so you can uh, mm, win some doctrinal debate and lose a friend. But that you might partake. Partake of the divine nature. What's the divine nature? It's the virtue and the glory intrinsic to his being, to his heart. Glory to Jesus. And you see... So many believers are, are, are waiting for God in their time of need, whether it's to overcome a familiar sin, whether it's to be healed, whether it's for boldness to share the gospel, on and on and on. But God is waiting on you and I to partake. How do you partake? You partake through the hand of faith. You partake through the mind of your spirit and knowingness through the words of your mouth that you speak. But you see, it's having a knowledge, a heart knowledge, not mental assent, that the glory is yours, that the glory of God is yours. Oh, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Mm, Jesus. See, Romans 8, 17 says we're joint heirs with Christ. Let, let's go there. Let's go to the book of Romans. And there's so much on my heart, so much on the heart of God. In Romans chapter 8, oh, glory to God, it says in verse 17, 
that because we're children of God, we're heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If so, we suffer with him that we might be glorified together. Now, that suffering with him doesn't mean getting hit by a car every other day. It means entering into the burden that he has for souls and for the brokenhearted, for the abused and downtrodden. But we're joint heirs. You see, my wife and I, because we're married, she took my name. We have a joint account. She could go into that account anytime she wants and take God, glory to God, whatever she wants. You know why? Because there's a oneness between us. Man, what I have is hers. What she has is mine. But see, she has to go in and partake of it. She doesn't come to me and say, you know what? I, I need uh, five hundred dollars to, you know, for for you know to, to buy this. I really, it's a need, a necessity, or I, 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 I desire. You know what? She just says, you know what? I, I'm going to make a withdrawal, and I, I say, man, absolutely, it's yours. Man, it's my greatest blessing that to, to have it there, so you can partake of it. She doesn't beg me for it. What would you think of a wife or a, a begging her husband? You know, to, to get money out of a joint account or the husband begging the wife. And that would be, honestly, that's insanity. No, she partakes of it. We have a joint account with Jesus Christ. Ooh, and we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. See, the name of Jesus, man, that, that, that opens up our account. I receive, I partake. Of the wholeness you've desired for me. Oh man, isn't that so different than begging God, hoping that it'll happen, but not being sure? My wife knows that that account, if that money's there in the account, it's hers. Can I tell you something? If you remember anything I say in this session, remember this the greatest gift that God has given you is Himself. The greatest gift that God has given you is access to his heart through the blood and name of Jesus Christ. And it's manifested through the Holy Ghost. Oh, glory to Jesus, glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. There's so much that, that I want to enter into. We'll see what we have time for. Glory to God, glory to God. Oh, man. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's, there's one part of this teaching I was going to get into, but I, I just have to allude to it because I don't have time to, to enter into all the scriptures that I have prepared because I want to go to another section of this teaching. But what we will share on it. It's the name of Yahweh Sehabeth. That, that, that's a Hebrew name for God. The Lord of hosts. 254 times it's mentioned in the Old Testament. In the context of prevalence, it's the name, of course, that's mentioned most. And intrinsic to this name is God's zeal, his jealous lust, his desire, his hunger to have you partake of him. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. All right, Lord, all right, I'll, I'll do it. I, I was going to go to the next section, but all right. I feel like the Lord said, all right, go with this, go with this, Okay. Please listen to me. Please listen to me. God Almighty. 
goes me to John 11. God Almighty has a profound need for you to partake of him. And to partake of him, you have to know that he's there to be partaken of. And he wants you to partake of him. And that his glory, his virtue is openly accessible as a joint heir with Christ. So you can enter into it with glory to God, not with begging or pleading, but as a child of the living God. John 11. I'm not going to go into all this. Lazarus had died. And Jesus in John 11, 25, mm, Martha comes to him. And I, well, let's just start with verse 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother, and had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou ask of God, he will give it to you. Jesus said unto him, thy brother will rise again. She said, Lord, I, I know he'll rise again on the resurrection on the last day. See, Martha had faith for yesterday. She had faith for tomorrow. But God's looking for people to have faith for today. I want to say it again. She had faith for yesterday. Lord, if you had been here, man, if Oral Roberts was still alive, Man, if I could have just get to this. And she had faith for tomorrow. Yeah, I know in the resurrection. I know in eternity I'll be okay. But no faith for today. God's calling the church his faith for today. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, and I believe he can translate and dies prematurely. The Bible says in the New American Standard, if he may die, I will cause him to live. And he who lives out his life, believing in me, shall never die. Believe thou this? And she said, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God. But that's not the question he asked her. He asked her if she believed that he could raise her brother. You see, he wanted agreement from her. You partake of God by agreeing with God. The word for confession in the Greek is the word homo logos. Logos is the word of God, the written word of God. Homo means the same, saying the same thing God says. It's not about my truth. It's about his truth and agreeing with it and bowing to it and receiving from it. So she goes and calls her sister. Mary comes, verse 32, says the same thing. She falls, she falls down at his feet and says, Lord, you've been here. My brother had not died. And we saw her, her weeping and the Jews weeping. Ma'am, that came with her, he groaned in his spirit. I've taught on this numerous times, but feel led to do it again. The Greek word for groaning is the word embrima ma'ahi. It means that had to be so affected that what happened and affected you adversely has to be undone, has to be changed. Now, someone says, well, you know, I, I lost someone to a car accident 30 years ago. Well, in that context, he will take away the grief and, and he will replace it with comfort and he will cause you to, I tell the devil to pay. But he, he, he groaning in the spirit, he, he couldn't take it. He wants, like we said in our first session, but I got to reiterate, he couldn't take it. He, and the Bible says he was troubled. Well, the, we know that Jesus said in John 14, do not be troubled. It means to, to, to be so, uh, uh, man, I'm tired. He, 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 just, he, just, he just needed to do what he needed to do. He wept. 
groaned in the spirit again. And he said, where have you laid him? Because, see, the need within him, he's there to be partaken of. Listen to me, please. In John 6, it was Passover time. And Jesus says to Philip, man, there's thousands of people here. How are we going to feed them? But the Bible says he himself knew what he was going to do. He said that to give Philip an opportunity to enter into agreement with him. Philip says, I don't know. And Jesus, you see, here's what's powerful. The Bible says Passover was at hand. Jesus is the Passover lamb. Can you imagine? They're celebrating Passover. He is the Passover, right? Mm, Jesus. And he has a need, listen to me, to multiply the bread. Because he has a need to be eaten of. He has a need to be partaken of. People would understand. He lost the majority of the disciples when he said, you got to eat me and drink me. He's saying, man, the only life you can obtain is through partaking of me. That was symbolism. John 6, 63 said it was symbolism. He was the lamb. See, people don't understand. The Passover lamb. Yeah, they put the blood of it over the doorpost. And the death angel passed over. But most people don't, they forget or they don't preach it or teach it. But there was a multitude of people healed when they ate of the lamb. See, it's time that not only rejoice and worship God for the blood over the doorpost of our heart. But it's time to eat of the lamb. John 6, 57. Jesus said, even as I eat of the Father and live, so he that eats of me will live by me. Eating of him and partaking of him are synonymous. So here, all right, so, so, so Jesus says, I am the resurrection life. What's he saying? He is declaring the virtue intrinsic to who he is. Inside of his being was not only virtue that healed uh, the woman with the issue of blood. Inside of him that's released by his voice was the virtue, the glory to raise Lazarus. And nobody was going to stop him. So he goes to the grave and he says, take away the stone. And Martha says unto him, verse 39, John 11, Lord, he's been dead four days. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter how long he was dead. All that matters is the golden oil within him. All that matters is the fire of resurrection whereby he consists of. Glory to Jesus. And here's his answer. He said unto her, said I not unto thee. See, evidently he was teaching them about this and her. That if you would believe, believing is partaking. Believing is not just hoping it might happen. Believing is partaking. See, the Bible says the kingdom of God is at hand. Your hand is part of you. You partake with the hand of faith. If you would believe, did I not say you would see the glory of the living God? The glory 
of the living God. So he took away the stone. There's always a part for you and I to play. We take away the stone by agreeing with God, by anointing with oil, by believing in the virtue of God, in the oil of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit. By believing the name of Jesus is above all others. That's how we take away the stone. But if you notice in James chapter 5, 14 to 16, it doesn't talk about you raising anybody up. God says, I will raise up through the power of my spirit, through the name of my son. You believe. God does it. Glory to God. So he says, Father, I thank you that you heard me. Then in verse 41, he said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, who was dead for four days, came forth bound in his grave clothes. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. That's the type of when you get saved, you, you were dead, but you still got some grave clothes on. But you got to get out of them. Amen. You got to get your soul lined up with your born again spirit now. But here's what I want you to see. Jesus, see, Jesus partook mm, of the glory of the Father on behalf of Lazarus by speaking. See, when you speak, glory to God. When you speak, what you're doing is enabling the agreement within your heart. To go into the heart of God, which releases the virtue, which releases the virtue. There's so much on God's heart right now. Let's look, take another look at Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. See, a lot of people speak because they've heard, you know what, if I confess the word, the word will just automatically be confirmed. That is not true. It's not true. The Bible says you have to sow with a view to righteousness. It, 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 you know, it's like some people tithe. And, and I know God says, prove me. But man, a, a lot of people, they enter in. You have to tithe the tithe with the words of your mouth. That's when it's most effective. Oh, Jesus. You speak believing that when you speak, you touch the heart of God. You speak in accordance with your faith in his virtue, in his heart. In accordance with the third person in the Trinity going to release the oil you need. Glory to God. The oil that you need. Oh, Jesus. Philippians 4.13 again. I can do all things through Christ, through the anointing. Who infuses the life of Jesus into me. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's look at James 4, 5. We've looked at it before. We need to look at it again. James 4, 5. The scripture says, do you think that the scripture says in vain, the Holy Spirit in you longs jealously, lusteth the envy. Meaning the Holy Spirit has such a hunger, a desire to be released. You know, if you were paralyzed, man, what would you give to walk? Man, you're, maybe you were a great athlete, but you got in a car accident and you're paralyzed. 
What would you give to walk? To raise your arm? You give anything. And nobody, I'm sure, knows what it's like unless you are paralyzed. Can I tell you something? The Spirit of God is paralyzed unless we partake through the Word, through faith in the heart of God and the oil in the name of Jesus so He can move. You say, I never heard that before. Well, the Bible says you can grieve the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4.30. The Bible says you can quench the Spirit of God, 1 Thessalonians 5. I, I, listen to this. I know a story of a, a great man of God. He's ministering to a missionary who gave his life on the mission field, but they sent him home. He had four-stage cancer. And, and this man of God, man, he, he, he prayed the prayer of faith. And God, through the discerning of spirits, he saw Jesus. Jesus came to him and was just ready to touch him. And the man reared back and said, I'm too unworthy to be touched by God. Now, the man didn't see Jesus, but he sensed him. And, and, and that man that prayed to prayer of faith said, you know what? We're all unworthy outside of the blood of Jesus. He did everything he could to convince him to let Jesus touch him. To partake of Jesus. But I've said this so many times, I'll say it again. He needs your agreement. So the man prayed another prayer of faith the second time. Same thing. Jesus, just before his fingers would touch his forehead and, and destroy the cancer through the anointing. The man read back again. Happened a third time. And the Lord spoke to him because this man saw him in the vision form. He said, you know what? I gave my life to be able to touch him. But he won't let me. He won't partake of me. Even though he knows me. And he's my child. He said in three days, he'll be with me for eternity. But his destiny will not be fulfilled. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. We need to enter into this. We need so much to enter into this. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Again, I want you to listen very carefully because I feel led to pray for some more people. The virtue of God. It's like fire. It will burn up familiar sin inside of you. The Holy Ghost and fire. The virtue of God is synonymous with the anointing of God. The virtue of God, when it comes, oh my, and it gets inside of you, it destroys the curse and releases you to the blessing. The virtue of God is the life of God. In Zechariah chapter 12, it says, here's how the nation of Israel is going to come in a mass revival to seeing Jesus Christ as their Messiah. It says through the spirit of prayer and supplication, what's going to happen? It's almost going to be like rain. The Bible says it will be like rain, the latter rain, 
there's going to be an anointing through intercession from God's people praying for the nation of Israel. And the nation, it's like it's a rain's going to come and people are going to get wet. And when they get wet with the rain of the virtue, it'll be the rain of conviction. And they will look on, upon him whom they pierced. They will mourn. But then they will receive him as their savior. That's the power of the anointing. Oh, glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. The fire of virtue destroys familiar sin. The fire of the reign of God can bring revival. The fire of nothing less than his very being, the oil, his name, coming forth as oil. Let me share, you, share this with you. Glory to God. I mean, there's so much before I pray. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. I was, uh, I've shared this prior, but I need to share it in this context. See, it's about the virtue. I was uh, teaching high school in central Pennsylvania, and there was somebody I, I knew at the high school that was very, uh, as a young man that he, he, came, he grew up in a very dysfunctional family. And uh, through homebound instruction, I became aware of him. I, I mean, this young boy just struggled with different things. He, I mean, he was always in trouble. Grew up on the wrong side of the track, so to speak. And I began to share with him about the goodness of God. And he began to listen to me. And uh, that was in April. And in May, I began to share the gospel with him. His heart began to soften. And uh, that summer, uh, I came to find out that his home life was so bad and there, there was two men that enticed him to come stay with them. And uh, they gave him some gifts. They bought him clothes. They gave him good food. But they were harming him sexually. And I, I tried to contact authorities and to no avail. It didn't seem to work. And I'm going to be honest with you. These men were ruthless. I knew of them. And you see, I wanted to help the boy. But I said, God, it just seems like I, I feel like if I go in there, man, they're going to destroy me. They're going to shoot dead guns, the whole deal. And the scripture came to me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But listen to me. But something happened to me. The virtue of the courage of Jesus himself rose up within me. It wasn't me anymore. It was the virtue. See, it's the, it was the healing virtue inside of Jesus that healed the woman with issue of blood. The virtue came into me. And I said, man, I don't believe I'm going to die. And, and, and so I, I found out where the apartment was. And I knocked on the door. 
And I could hear them and I could hear this boy in there. And, and I opened the door. And uh, it was not a good scene. They were going to, they were involved in going to harm this boy again, even in my sight. There's guns on the table, whole deal. And I, I walked right up to them, took this boy by the arm. He got dressed. I looked at these men. And I walked out with that boy. And I, I tried to press charges, but no, the, the boy wouldn't say what happened. He was afraid of them. But the boy was rescued. It wasn't rescued because of me. He was rescued because the virtue of Jesus came into me. The virtue of courage that I didn't have in myself. The woman with the issue of blood she wasn't healed because of something that she did. She was healed because of someone that she touched. It was the healing virtue of Jesus that healed her. Jesus is amazing. Whether it's the healing, whether it's forgiveness, whether it's strength, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So I'm, I'm going to close this session with doing a few things. One, I'm, go, I'm going to share a, a testimony with you. Another one, some of you have heard this testimony, John G. Lake, in that he was a, a doctor, a missionary doctor, when the bubonic plague was in vogue, and thousands were dying in Africa. And there were scientists that came from England, and he was from England. And there's people that died, and they were examining the. When someone died, there was a bloody froth that emanated from them, and they would take this froth, they had gloves on, of course, and would examine it under a microscope, trying to come up with a cure for it. And Dr. Lake, who was a medical doctor himself, he said, I want you to do something. He said, I'm going to take with my bare hands this bloody froth, which, which was contagious, which caused him to die. He took it in his hands. He said, now examine it under the microscope. And every iota of that bacteria was dead. Obviously, he had a great healing ministry. But see, it was the virtue. It was the virtue of Jesus in him that caused that reality. virtue of God. We need to worship God Almighty for the awesomeness of his virtue. His mm, virtue of love, forgiveness, healing, deliverance, wholeness, victory. There's no one like Jesus. I can hardly I contain myself. But I've got to get you to see this. When you have a need, whether it's just to get close to God, we're going to talk about uh, the, the virtue of faith in next session or, or the word of his virtue. But right now, I just want you to see the amazing virtue of the living God. I, I, 
Zechariah 4.14, I know I'm running out of time, but I got to get you to see how amazing it is. See, greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. That's the spirit of life who brings the virtue. But what we need to understand, let me just read it, Zechariah 4.14. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let's look at 2.12. It says, and I answered again, and he said to me, these are the two olive branches, which threw the two golden pipes, empty the golden oil out of themselves. And it said it went into the priest, and it went into the king. You are a king and a priest unto God. The virtue flows to you as a king. As a priest, so you can minister to him, so you can rule for him. The golden oil of the living God. Listen to me. You know, a lot of you listening to my voice at this time, COVID is, has killed tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. It's a disease, it's a bacteria that if it can get, it gets inside of you, it brings death. It's the antithesis of the virtue of God. Man, if, if, you know, people wear masks, people do social distancing, they do this and that. Why? So this, this, this bacteria does not invade you unto death. I'm here to tell you something. The virtue of God is what's meant to invade you. It's what is meant to deliver you, laugh you. Because the virtue is the life of God. Right now, I just want to think of whatever need you have. I don't care if it's a familiar sin, four-stage cancer, the need to get closer to God. I want you to repeat after me. Say, Father, I see through this teaching, through your word, the amazing virtue the fire, the oil, the rain. The glory. I receive it loose to my need. I receive that I'm made as a king and a priest unto you. As a child of God. It's my inheritance. For my inheritance is a joint heir with Christ is your heart. And all this within it, all that it consists of, I receive now through the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the virtue of life going into me, meeting every need from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Even as it went into the woman with the issue of blood. I receive. The gift. Of your virtue. I receive. The gift. Of your virtue. 